You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Face all your fears, drink it at me. There's so many donuts on them back streets. Sit so high in the nosebleeds. Feel like I can fly. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S. Bleeds is your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host. As always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how you doing, my man? I know we missed last week, but we're back on it. How you been? We back. We back. It it, it was good to take that week off because if we would have hopped right right on, I think I would have probably been a little agitated because of uh, the Super Bowl. Just... (laughs) And it's not even because I because I picked the Chiefs and I lost. It was mainly just the fact that like watching that game, it was like all this hype was built up, and then it was like, damn, like I like I was not expecting it to only be like a defensive battle the way it was, and like majority of the scoring was like in the first half, and then like after that, kind of was like, well, that's it. Yeah. Well, let's actually get into it. Talk about the Super Bowl since we didn't get to talk about it last Monday. Buccaneers captured their second Super Bowl win in as many appearances in franchise history. They won Super Bowl 55, beating the Chiefs 31 to 9. That's right. The Buccaneers defense showed up and held the number one offense in the league to zero touchdowns. What did I tell you, Corey? I said this game is going to come down not to Tom Brady. It's going to come down to the Buccaneers defense and the referees, just like Tom Brady's always had on his side in most of his Super Bowls that he's on. I'm not going to say all, but I'm going to say in most of them that he has won. Um, And this makes the Buccaneers the first team to host and to win a Super Bowl in their home turf. And me and Corey, we had a little bet on the nosebleeds. If you guys didn't know about that, make sure y'all check out last episode because we bet $50 on who's going to win. Corey took the Chiefs. I took the Buccaneers. And I win. There's a little payback for the Thunder Rockets bet that we had Big from before for sure, but let's uh talk about it a little bit. Tom Brady got his seventh Super Bowl, more than a lot of teams have in their franchise history. And uh, since the Buccaneers won, that means he got number seven and he did it hooking up with old reliable Rob Gronkowski two times in the end zone. So, and you could definitely tell it was Tom Brady's seventh time winning a Super Bowl because I don't know if you saw the victory parade. Tom Brady was yeah. literally tossing the Lombardi trophy yeah. from boat to boat, whereas, like, yeah. I'm sure anybody that would have won it for the first time, they would have been, like, holding that thing on like a little baby. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady definitely was tipsy <laughs> during the parade. That man. Oh, yeah, he had to like, escort it off and everything. <laughs> like, I don't care. You want to talk about a victory lap. And what was so funny was, like, I didn't know until they mentioned it maybe in the NFC Championship game, but Chris Godwin, his teammate, who was number 12 before Brady got to Tampa Bay, um, there was all this talk of, like, will Chris Godwin give up his number? Brady was willing to allow Chris Godwin to keep number 12 because he was going to get number seven because 
he he was gonna end up winning number seven. I'm like, man, wow, that's just crazy. The confidence, the confidence that Tom Brady had going into that locker room. But I mean, um, I think you look at the 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 way that the Buccaneers were last season compared to this season. The biggest differences were Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and this defense took another step. So. Um, the guy, the three guys that I mentioned were not on the team last season, and so I mean, you could throw Leonard Fournette in that. You could absolutely well throw Leonard Fournette in there because all those guys were not on the team last year, and then all of a sudden they get on to this team and they just take them beyond a step further. They take them all the way to the tippity top. So I mean, it's not just Tom Brady for me. It was the fact that he went to a team that already had weapons, already had a good defense, already had a veteran head coach. And just really needed that belief that they could win games. Because I feel like Jameis Winston showed that they were capable of um, being a, a, an offensive threat. But obviously, Tom Brady been there, done that. He just provides that leadership, that stability. And even though he didn't, even though statistically he had a very good season, especially when you consider his age, um, sometimes his play did not always match that level of experience or he didn't always look like you know old Tom Brady but you know forget everything because forget the playoff games forget the regular season when it was Super Bowl when it was money time when it was time to go ahead and win that man Tom Brady he looked like seasoned veteran Tom Brady he looked like his old self firing to Gronkowski and he just looked like it was men against boys because the Chiefs defense really just they only pressured him like a few times, but I think even if you tried to pressure him, I felt like he would still been able to pick them apart because they were hitting Gronkowski on slants. They were just, just finding ways to pick apart that chief's defense and the chiefs just had no answer whatsoever. And I mean, when you, when you got that going and on the other end, offensively, you can't materialize anything and your quarterback is literally running for his life. I mean, Mahomes was running for his life. I think he's still running. Like, dude could not catch a break. Every single time he dropped back, it was like instantaneously you're getting blitzed. So, and, and he clearly looked like he was not healthy. He clearly looked like he was favoring on one leg potentially. But I'll say this, Kush, even though it was in a losing effort, he had probably some of the greatest throws I've ever seen in Super Bowl history that had his receivers caught the ball would have been unbelievable. The fact that he was literally almost about to fall to the ground and somehow was able to throw the ball like 20, 30 yards down the field toward the end zone hits dude straight in the freaking face and he couldn't catch it. I'm like, bro, Mahomes literally did everything he possibly could in order to win that game on one leg and still it yeah. wasn't enough. And, and that's just crazy to me. You know, it's crazy when, so I think now the season over, NFL is coming out with their top 100 plays of this past season. And number 100 was that play that you just explained right now. And it's like, you have a top play that's an incompletion. Like, incompletion. <laughs> so it's crazy. Mahomes definitely did try to do all he could do, but it wasn't enough because uh, this Buccaneers defense was great. And Tom Brady did what Tom Brady does best, and that is just game manage and don't d do anything stupid and puts him his team in the best position to win. But now that the game is over, 
the offseason is upon us. And uh, let's talk about what's next for these two teams. Let's start with the Buccaneers this season because they're going to have a big old target on their back next season. And their biggest, biggest thing is they have a lot of impending free agents that are going to make that that the Buccaneers are going to have to make a decision about. You look at the guys that are going to hit free agency, Levante Davis, huge in the Super Bowl. Chris Godwin, big all year. Shaq Barrett, who's been huge ever since he's been in a Buccaneers uniform. Antonio Brown, Ndamukin Sue, Rob Gronkowski, and Leonard Fournette. Those are just some of the names that are impending free agents. And all of those guys played vital roles for the Buccaneers playoff run and that Super Bowl victory. And it's a very strong possibility that at least two thirds of the guys I just named are, if not all of them, are not going to be returning because the Buccaneers just don't have the money to do it. And especially since they have uh, some of these younger guys that they're going to be needing to pay in a few years. But even without those pieces, I think the Buccaneers are still a playoff team, but it'll definitely be hard to defend that Super Bowl title next season. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Kush. Um, I think you kind of have to, once it gets, once we figure out what the cap is going to be, because I think that's what a lot of teams are still trying to figure out. Um, even though it seems like every day we're getting a trade rumor here and trade rumor there about which quarterback is going where. But I think teams are still trying to figure out what is the salary cap going to be looking like because of COVID. Like there's just a lot of up in the airness about what the salary cap is going to be looking like. And potentially the Bucks have about like, I think, $30 million or so, a little bit over $30 million that they can play with. So depending on where you want to go with that, I'm assuming that some of their veteran guys like JPP is probably going to walk um, depending on what Leonard Fournette wants to probably do. He's probably going to potentially leave as well. Already Lenny. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking that they're probably going to focus on trying to make sure that they secure Shaquille Barrett, make sure they get him back in the fold. And then I think they're going to try and do what they did particularly last season where they just, you know, had the core group alongside Tom Brady And then they just tried to bring in guys on like one year contracts and, you know, not veterans minimum, but almost like a super team in the NBA. Like they just trying to bring in guys here and there and try to see where they can fit and try to make it work throughout the season. But I don't think that, uh, like you said, there's going to be a whole lot of cause for concern. I definitely see them being a playoff team unless everything just completely falls off (laughs) just falls off like if Tom Brady plays like Peyton Manning in his final season then they'll definitely have a problem but I don't know we'll see um overall I think that the the Buccaneers their biggest issue is going to be the Super Bowl hangover which um we've seen with winners losers you know of the Super Bowl after they've won it after they played in the game the, the teams have just not not been the same. Like we look at the Atlanta Falcons, we look at the Carolina Panthers, the Denver Broncos, the last time they were in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's so many times where we look at teams and we think like, oh, they're going to be getting right back there or they're going to be in the conversation yet again. Obviously, I think because they have Tom Brady, there's always going to be this storyline potentially of them bit getting back to the Super Bowl. But I think um, depending on who they sign and where they go with, with their money, I think, uh, It'll, de- it'll depend on if their defense is as strong as it was last year and do they have the pieces in play to help Brady be successful? Because let's face facts, if Tom Brady is running the Patriots offense that he had where they're just trying to do it with tape and glue and trying to do it with whatever they got, it's not going to work out. And, you know, he's not a, a mobile quarterback. He's a guy who picks you apart from the pocket. So he needs that 
to be able to have time and be able to have guys that can catch the ball and, you know, get jiggy with it with their feet. So we'll see what happens. But I think that the Buccaneers are, for the most part, going to be a playoff team. Yeah, I think Gronkowski and AB might be the dudes that come back. Everyone else is a big question mark, but I'm going to call it right now. I think Julian Edelman's going to join this team. Come I would not season. be shocked. I would not be shocked. Because you, know, you know for damn sure he had FOMO. Over bro, there in New he England. was tweeting out the entire like time, and then when they won it, and then even before they won it, when they got when they, uh, when they beat the Packers and got there, like he had been tweeting the entire playoffs rooting for them. So, I mean, like – if, if there's a will, there's a way. Tom Brady, oh, he'll, he'll for sure take that pay cut. Yeah, he's willing to take a pay cut because for him, it's all about trying to get back to the Super Bowl, baby. And you know, missing out on the Super Bowl, like and having to sit on the couch, not even making it to the playoffs this year is like, it's like, whoa, what the heck? That's, that's totally unheard of territory for Julian Edelman at this point in his career. So, I mean, he wants to go back. He wants to get back in the, uh, in the pads, wants to play with his homeboy, and he wants to, you know, uh, get – get down and dirty with Tom again. And I think that they're already probably trying to work out a deal right now. My yeah. sources say. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But let's talk about the other team in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, because they have a lot of pieces returning next season. I think the only notable player that might be leaving is Sammy Watkins, who didn't even play in the playoffs except the Super Bowl. And I think he only played like 30% of the snaps just because he wasn't fully healthy. So I have a feeling that may not be a big loss, but they definitely biggest thing they got to do is bolster up that offensive line, especially the interior, because that's where we saw most of the but most of the help yep. that they need in that final game, which was the Super Bowl. And I, I think with them, the salary cap is really, really tight, given all the guys that are on their roster. But and so free agency, they're not going to go out and get those well-known free agents, but uh, they can get some under the radar players. And I think a, a position that may need uh they do need a long side offensive line is linebacker. They need to get a guy that can go sideline to sideline. That would definitely solidify them on the defensive end. Cause you saw Levante David and you saw Devin white literally flying all over the field, which helped Mahomes not really get his passing game going. And cause you have guys like Travis Kelsey and you have guys like Tyreek Hill, who are two of the most dangerous offensive threats and they they were struggling to to get that offensive going because of they had those guys Levante David and Devin White so I think the Chiefs need to go sign an underrated guy like those guys to try to help that defense out I'm gonna throw something out there uh, that a lot of people are not really talking about the reason that the the Buccaneers were able to be so successful is because Tyreek Hill for the most part was getting double teamed the entire game which forced Mahomes to primarily have to target Travis Kelsey who had, you know, by all intents and purposes, he had a pretty, you know, decent to average game, but it would have helped if he would have, you know, made some big time plays to help get into the end zone. But um, I think they need another weapon, to be honest with you. And it, it doesn't have to be like, um, they obviously would have probably have hoped that they could maybe have drafted a first round pick, but seeing what happened in the Super Bowl, they obviously are going to have to spend that first round pick on an offensive lineman. There's, there's just no if, ands, or buts about it. You got to go ahead and get somebody to protect Mahomes because you don't want to have Russell Wilson uh, 2.0 here. You just can't afford it, especially all the money that you invested in Mahomes. The last thing in the world you want to see coming across your timeline is I'm not happy. Patrick Mahomes says he wants out of Kansas City. Like, you don't want to see that. You just don't want to see that. You don't even want to have any sort of inkling about that. So how do you prevent that from happening? You have to protect your your, your marquee guy, your franchise guy. So they're going to probably go after uh, an offensive uh, lineman, either 
through free agency or I'm banking on it happening as a first round pick in the draft. So then you have to be able to fill out the offense, uh, the, the receiving core, because Tyreek Hill, we know he's a primary receiver. We know he's a number one, but you need somebody who similar to Juju Smith-Schuster when he was playing with AB benefits from guys like Tyreek Hill or Antonio Brown getting double team. So you have somebody as a safety net to be like, oh, if you're going to double team him, I'm just going to throw it over here. So you need somebody like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like second, third round, they try to go after wide receiver there in order to fill up that position. So that way they can have somebody that can uh, be able to be a playmaker for him because that Super Bowl was an indicator and a blueprint that I think a lot of teams are going to try to and, and do and simulate double team Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. And if you have the opportunity for somebody else to beat you. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, also a run game would definitely help. And I think a run game offensive line would definitely help them. So they're not just being deep in double teaming uh, their wide receivers and tight ends. But let's talk about a little bit of the season because back on July 28, 2020, when all the players had to report for training camp, you know, they, there was a lot of uncertainty where whether we'll have a full NFL season that that would start and stop on schedule or whether it'd be like the NBA where there may be a hiatus and may have to go shift to a bubble or whatever. But February 7th, that was a Super Bowl date set. And February 7th was the date that the Super Bowl was played. So the the NFL went an entire season without any cancellations, without an, any uh, problem. I mean, there were some hiccups in there, but here's some statistics about COVID-19 in this past season. The NFL and NFLPA invested over $100 million to build a infection control system, which was actually so legit that it was published by the CDC. So that's how legit it was. And then their overall league positivity rate was 0.076% positive uh, that were um in this season so and like i said did they have hiccups yes with the titans the 49ers the ravens i mean but they did do a manageable job in rescheduling games whether people agreed with it or not or not having uh teams miss games due to covid because we saw in the mlb we saw the cardinals we saw the marlins those teams were missed games and they never made up those games even when the even in the world series over. exactly even in the world series with the dodgers just exactly so that they definitely had hiccups over there and then the nba currently we have teams like the wizards that have missed a good amount of games and we don't know if those games will ever be made up at all at the end of the season or mid-season or whatever but both these leagues that i just talked about they involve traveling from city to city the nfl did that and they did it with much bigger size teams but they were able to play every single game so i mean as much as we we hate the NFL in some aspects of the way they run things and stuff like that, I will give them their respect and their shout out where um, it is due. So shout out to them for going through an entire season with no cancellations. What were your thoughts on this season? I mean, I think that the the NFL knew that they had to make sure that they were putting out the product and they just took advantage of the fact that for the most part, when the season was going on, there's no other sport besides football. So, and college football really wasn't like the, the premier teams weren't playing at the time. So like you had the advantage of being like, Hey, we're the product on television as far as sports wise. So even if it means pushing a game from Monday to Tuesday or Wednesday, or, you know, pushing a Thursday game to a Sunday game, whatever, um, it benefited the NFL because what did you need, especially in this day and age, you needed to get the 
the games going because you need to be able to generate some type of ratings, which ratings were not that great this year. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out why that necessarily is. There's a plethora of reasons why that could be. Overall, I think I think that, the main reason I don't mean to cut you off, but I think no, the main reason because I've been having this conversation with so many people, but I think it's also because when you watch sports games, do you not go to a sports bar? You hang out oh, with friends, course. like let's go to so of all course. those places being closed definitely affects it. That's a bunch exactly. of TVs out there that aren't playing the games. And plus, also in today's day and age, not a lot of people have TV. They just exactly. stream. Exactly. So So streaming numbers are out uh, are through the roof. Like, I think they said the Super Bowl was the most streamed game in like the past like five years or something like that. Like, it was crazy. Like, the Super Bowl this year was. But as of as of TV ratings, it's this was the oh yeah, it's two thousand and seven. Yeah, kill the TV ratings. But overall, I think that the NFL they were trying to make sure that they benefited as a brand and as a, a a business to make sure that they had games going on. And it was kind of great to, you know, the hardcore NFL fan, because you literally at one point, I forget what week that was, but you had a game on Sunday, you had games on Monday, you had games on Tuesday, you got games on Wednesday, (laughs) and then guess what, next week you got Thursday games. So I mean, like you got a full slate of games all week long. So uh, I can see why the players necessarily are there. I think they have to come to a better agreement. Like the the player association are probably going to have to figure something out because there was even talks during the playoffs, whether or not we were going to have the playoff game start on time with the Browns versus the Steelers because of COVID. And even despite like damn near half the Browns team being hit by COVID, even their head coach, they still played the game and won the game. That was probably the craziest COVID storyline for me was the fact that the Browns, despite COVID, destroyed the Steelers so Mm -hmm. I feel like overall um it's just it's just gonna be interesting to see how the NFL looks at all the information and all the data and how do they improve and get some of these guys that were not trying to be participants not trying to play or you know convince those guys to play to continue on and to uh come back into the fold because the Patriots had a lot of guys that decided that they didn't want to play so many different teams. I think if they would have had their entire roster, maybe things would have been entirely different. Maybe we see a totally different season. And that's why I think that like, just imagine if like you had a guy like, let's say for instance, Deshaun Watson be like, look, uh, COVID's going on. And you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable playing. It's like, bro, that's a big time player that is, literally saying that i don't want to play and that is going to kill your brand so I you mean, might do that next season at this so rate. i'm <laughs> just saying Texas. like i'm just saying like it, it wouldn't shock me if you had like a Kyrie player of the nfl be like yeah i just don't feel like playing and it's like yo what do you mean you don't feel like playing so i i think that's something that the nfl is gonna have to address and they're gonna have to there's gonna have to be some give and take here with both the player association and the NFL because they have to understand. While yes, you want to put a product on the table, the, the the players do hold a lot of power at this point in time, which I think they're understanding, and a lot of different quarterbacks are understanding. Like, look, if I'm not happy, no point in staying. I can get up out of here. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what the. NFL and the NFL Players Association do next season, but we got a while away because we just finished up this season. But a season that's in effect right now is the NBA. And boy, oh boy, we got the All-Star Weekend coming up. And this has been 
a topic of controversy within the NBA, whether there should be a game or a weekend at all or not. But the NBA seems hell bent on having a season <laughs> and it's going to be our uh, weekend and it's going to be in Atlanta on March 7th. They plan to actually hold the three point contest and skills challenge before the all star game the day the day of and the dunk contest will take place at halftime. So it could be the greatest halftime performance ever or it could be uh, a little um underwhelming but what as are long your as thoughts D-Wade on... isn't, as long as d wade isn't uh one of the judges, judges. <laughs> but he's gonna be okay with, with the dunk contest yeah but i mean what are your thoughts on all-star weekend I, I, it's not even weekend anymore it's a day all-star day. <laughs> all-star <laughs> like, day it's so weird to say that but march 7th the all-star day having all those contests and everything take yeah, place. yeah i mean because i mean the only thing that's that's kind of like I, I guess like disappointing is for all those people that used to always love flying out to all-star weekend and the fact that it wasn't all the celebrities man like all the different people would have been just beyond celebrities people always love to fly over all-star weekend tour you know just different because there's different parties that are going on different after parties that are going on but now because of covid you would assume a lot of that stuff would be on the hush hush and on the low low and not happening but um yeah man i think that the nba they obviously are trying to just, you know, I think this is a ratings grab, honestly. I feel like it's like when ESPN had that that horse oh, situation, God. which we should never talk about I, ever I, I thought we, I thought we said we'd never talk about that. But I'm just podcast. saying, like, this is what this feels like. This feels exactly like that. And a lot of NBA players from De'Aaron Fox to Giannis to James Harden have come out and said that, like, they're not really cool with it. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if LeBron says he's fine with it, and if Chris Paul says he's fine with it, you know it's going to happen because those are the two premier guys of the Player Association and the face of the league right now. So overall, I, I don't necessarily think that it's the best thing to do because you already have a situation where, like we mentioned, where you have teams that are scrambling and scraping to have a, a roster together. Hey, what guys. happens if, God forbid there's somebody who has COVID and you got star players all at the same stadium arena and somebody tests positive. I'm like, yo, you're ruining potentially a team season. And not only that, you're jeopardizing one of your key marquee players health. And I'm like, is it worth it just for a game, just for one event? Absolutely not. So that's the reason why I think that the all-star, you know, game all-star day, should just have been scrapped and have just have been just like last year, just like, hey, let's just focus on the season. Like, let's just get through the season. Or if they really, 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 really had to have like something like this, why don't they just do what the NFL did and just use 2K and try to have like <laughs> some sort of all-star thing through that? Like, I think that would have been best. You know, it's not the same though. I know it's not the same, but I mean, you but still- yeah, for the money grab, I, I I get you because all of our weekend is it's it's worth thirty million dollars in ad revenue on TNT based on the past. And, couple that, years. and that was one, and that was one of the reasons why because exactly you know you they, they don't want to let that money slip. Yeah, you have these TV networks like ESPN and, and Turner who are locked into contracts, and it's like, yo please do not screw us out of all-star weekend. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they want all-star weekend badly because they want to be able to get the, you know, the money and the revenue from it. But meanwhile, the players are like, do we really need to have an all-star weekend when we can barely be able to get through this season unscathed of COVID? It's like, I don't know. I don't agree with it, but if this is where we are, then this is where we are and let the show go on. Yeah. And it's reported that, each player is allowed to bring four guests with them. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, just 
the NBA. I don't know. They go they go from this bubble, which everyone is praising them for, to now it's like everything's really wishy washy with the NBA right now. But since we are having an All Star game, we got NBA All Star voting going on, which ends today, February sixteenth, and the format yep, yep. is the normal format, which is two guards and then three front court players. You have the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference. So me and Corey are actually going to go through our votes for today just uh, real quick before voting is done so let's start in the eastern conference we got the two guards which two guards are you going with uh i'm gonna surprise you with this um but i'm gonna go with uh bradley beal and i'm gonna go with uh kyrie irving so i mean for the most part when kyrie has been playing i feel like he's been one of the best players uh for the brooklyn nets just dropped 40 on yesterday (laughs) So, I mean, like, he's been one of their best players and one of their, you know, clutch players, to be honest with you. So, I feel like Bradley Beal, even though, like, his team isn't that good, he's – they got to put – they got to put Bradley Beal in the All-Star game this year. And I feel like he's averaging over 30 points. Like, he's got to – he's got to get him at league. least – at least, if not in the starting five, at least put him on the bench. Like, he's got to be in the All-Star game this year. No, yeah, 100%. I have Bradley Beal as well, too, averaging 33 leading the NBA. So he's definitely got to make it, especially after being snubbed last season. And then I'm actually going to take Kyrie's teammate and I'm going to go James Harden. I think James Harden, even though he's kind of taken that role as where, okay, I don't have to necessarily be the star, whether I'm the second or third option, I really don't care. I'm still going to get my own. And he's still averaging 23 points, 11 assists a game and seven rebounds. So he's still putting up James Harden type numbers, but the points may not be there, but that's also because he has to share it with uh, Katie and Kyrie, but we know James Harden is more than capable of putting up the numbers. So James Harden, I got him as my guards. And then we got our three front court players. I'm going to go with Joel Embiid, who is the MVP candidate right now, averaging 30 and 10 as a big man, which is insane. And then Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury and having a similar season to his MVP season. And then you got to go with the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bucks are struggling, but Giannis is not struggling. I'll tell you that he's having still a great season, averaging 28, 11 and a half and five and a half. Who's your yeah, team? I mean, Giannis is playing so well. I mean, he's trying to take up new hobbies. So over here trying to be a photographer, trying to get pictures <laughs> of his of his brother. I'm like, yo. <laughs> nah, but yeah, I got to agree with you on that. I mean, Joel is playing out of his skin, which, I mean, Glenn, old Glenn, Doc Rivers, <laughs> the, the Rivers impacts. I don't know. Oh, boy. But no, Joel- he's staying healthy. That's what it is. <laughs> he's staying healthy. Joel. Got to go with Joel, Greek Freak, and KD. KD, man, just the fact that he's playing at this level is unbelievable and really hasn't had any sort of like setbacks or any sort of knock um, on wood yeah like any just any sort of like thing that makes you think like oh yeah he's not the same player like he looks like the same dude that when we last saw him was just dominating the nba and if he wasn't in your top three you were kind of sleeping on that the crazy thing with Kevin Durant that I've noticed is he's still that defensive hound that we saw in Golden State where it's like coming off an Achilles injury when you go up for that jump for a block or something. It's like even me, I kind of squirm when he lands or whatever. Exactly. But I'm just exactly. like, he's still going up there like he never had an injury, which is something you love to see. Yeah. Let's move on to the Western Conference. We got the two guards. I'll go first. I got Mr. Stephen Curry. Uh, looks like. But like, look at Curry, man. That's what yeah. they all say. Look at, look at Curry. Look at Curry. But so uh, inspiration. I mean, his name needs to be talked about in the MVP race more than it's been getting because you see a lot of these guys like LeBron, 
uh, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, all those guys. But Steph Curry definitely needs to be in that category. And then I got to go with Luka Doncic. Like Giannis, the Mavs are struggling, but Luka, it's not his fault because he is hooping. Which guards are you going with? I agree with you on Curry. I mean, averaging over 30 points a game, literally putting the team on his back. He, may, he makes ten, dropping 10 threes a game look like nothing. And it, and it's so really? sad because it's like I'll watch him drop 10 threes. I'm like, oh, great. It's another Steph yeah. Curry show. But it's like <laughs> any other player does that. We're going insane. But it's just so normal for Curry nowadays. It's so normal. It's like literally if it's because his play style is like if you saw a dude doing that at the YMCA, you'd be like, God damn, bro. I don't want to play no more. It's like, I'm going home. It's like, yo, he just pulls up from like over half court from logos. And that's why I'm like, everybody in the NBA is trying to do that now. I'm like, dang, bro. Like, everybody's trying to hit logo threes. It's crazy. But my other guard I got to go with is the guy who me and Shaq might be sleeping on, but I'll give him his credit. He definitely deserves to be an all-star. Donovan Mitchell out of the Utah Jazz. Got to go with Donovan Mitchell because right now they're, what, the best team in the West right now? If not the best team in the entire league. Yeah, so I mean, I got to give them some shine right there. Got to give them some sort of representation. And I feel like I might not necessarily feel like they are uh, legit. Like, I feel like they might have. I don't think they're legit. I don't know. It's like they have, they might have that Atlanta Hawks thing going for them when Atlanta had like one of the best records in the East. And everybody was thinking, like, oh, shoot, will that translate to the playoffs? And they ran into LeBron and it was a totally different story. So, I mean, like, it might be the same situation in the West, but it's to be determined because we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. All right. What about your three front court players? Who are you going with? I'm going with Kawhi, Owai, Leonard, LeBron James, Joker. And I, I think, honestly, uh, you want to talk about MVP candidates. Nikola Jokic has really surprised me because I've been seeing and have been on that train of people that have been like, I don't know if he's a guy who can lead your team to a championship, but he's definitely in the MVP conversation. And when you look at the player that he started out as and when he first was with the Nuggets, like there was talks that he was on the same sort of level as a Dude in uh, Portland right now. I can't think of his name. Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, he was on the same level as him. Those two are on the same level. And now they were on the same team, and Nurkic was starting over him. Exactly. That's 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 what I'm saying. That's when they were talking about potentially trading Jokic because they were like, all right, Nurkic is our guy. And I remember vividly that the Clippers, there's rumors that they were going to trade Blake Griffin for him. But, um, I mean, but yeah, now, and then they decided to go with the Oakage and shipped off Nurkage, and boy, has that been a hell of a move for them. Exactly, because, I mean, just imagine if they would have, it like, that could have been, like, OKC 2.0, but for Denver, like, if they would have gone with Nurkage instead of with Jokage, that would have been a huge mistake, but shout out to him, man. I mean, he's having an MVP year. Nuggets not looking like the same team that they were that got to the Western Conference uh, Finals, but who knows? Trade deadline's coming around. Maybe they try to make a move late, but overall, I think there's not a whole lot that can be said. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's Kawhi Leonard. And LeBron is still being LeBron, and especially with a certain man down and out, um, he's going to have to be Superman every single night. So, I mean, LeBron's just being LeBron, dude. And it's kind of just crazy how, you know, like you were saying, like he's definitely an MVP candidate, but I feel like with, you know, AD potentially going down and being out for these next few weeks his resume is just going to add even more to it for a reason why he should be in the mvp if not in the race 
he's definitely a top five person in that race. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. But just the fact that we have two centers, true centers, not big man, true centers in Jokic and Embiid as some of the front runners of the MVP. Like what a time in, in, a, in an era that's been guard driven and forward driven, like the the quote unquote big man is kind of dead. So it's like, who would have thought that we have two big men as some of the lead candidates in the uh, MVP voting? But, but it's uh, also just because like they don't play as like traditional quote unquote, big man back to the basket all the time. They can do that, but that's not like all the time what they need to be. They can be a playmaker like Jokic who can just literally find a guy and just be willing to pass off and be willing to give it up or Embiid who can do the same thing, but is also crafty with it and can even step out and hit a three or two. So, I mean, that's the evolution of the big man position has made it so that not only is the center position alive and well, but I think it's it's just the the evolution of it and and being able to make yourself um, capable of spacing the floor, which is why I think Embiid and Jokic have legitimately uh, showed why they are the best you know centers in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. And then alongside Jokic, I'm the same with you. I got Kawhi and LeBron, both. Just just when you thought they couldn't get better, they literally seem to get better. LeBron doing it in year 18, so it's, it's absolutely insane. But um, that's our all-star votes, and we're going to give you guys our all-star reserves next week or in a couple weeks before the game happens and they are released. But back to what you were saying about LeBron James and Anthony Davis going to be missing. He's going to miss at least two to three weeks. He had an Achilles injury um, and then came back and played on February 14th and then injured his calf on the same leg. Um, so he left the game, but he had an MRI and they're saying it's just a calf strain and that he will be reevaluated in two to three weeks, which means he's not going to be coming back in two to three weeks. He's going to be reevaluated and then we'll, they'll take it from there. Um, and they're predicting that he comes back earliest after all-star break. So what does that mean for the Lakers going forward this season? That means for the Lakers that uh, obviously they're going to get a lot of looking as far as what team they are without Anthony Davis. Um, whenever your star player goes down, it's definitely a burden on the number two or the uh, your uh, the other co-star in this case in LeBron because he's going to have to take a lot of the work that Anthony Davis does and he's going to have to put a lot of it on his shoulders. Now he can either do that and, you know, will his team to win, but I think LeBron is perfectly fine with um, still maintaining in his role and getting his teammates involved. Because one of the things that I think if you notice throughout the entire, you know, time that LeBron has, you know, uh, following his term in uh, Miami and going back to Cleveland, he is fine with, not being the number one seed in a conference. He's perfectly fine with not having the, the the top seed. It's all about, you know, the matchup and it's all about building up the confidence for your teammates. So that means this is going to be the perfect ample opportunity for guys like Kyle Kuzma to step up. Uh, you know, guys who have not been maybe getting the shine that they feel that they deserve or maybe being able to feature a whole lot, Montrez Harold is going to have to step up. Uh, Marcus Saul is going to have to step up. And, you know, just a few guys who have been playing well and overall the Lakers have been, you know, have been looking like a team that it was ready to, to repeat prior to AD going down for this extended length of time. Um, I think this just kind of puts a monkey wrench in it as far as, you know, 
do you legitimately look at the Lakers minus Anthony Davis and think that they're this, you know, this dominant force that they were in the playoffs and in the bubble? Not necessarily, but they still have that man, LeBron James, and they do still have a very, very, very deep team. So that's one of the things that I think is going to keep them in. Uh, I would say they don't, if they fall, they would at worst be a third seed, but I still think that they can finish one or two, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's definitely going to be hard to fill the void of Anthony Davis, given what he can do on both ends of the floor and the level he does it at. Because I think for me this season, the Lakers in the beginning, they were looking very solid. But recently, like even with Anthony Davis on the court, they didn't look like they were the Lakers that we saw in the bubble, just so dominant. And I think and that's not a knock against the Lakers, but I just think that they're missing that true backup big man that they had last season in Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee that can kind of hide Anthony Davis's durability problems and allows Anthony Davis to spread the floor more and focus maybe more on the offensive end. And so, so having guys like Marcus all and Montrez Harold, they're great ba- backup big men, but they're not going to be able to make up. I think on the defensive end uh, that arguably you could say, the best number two in the league would you say Anthony Davis is the best number two in the league yeah I mean when you have a guy who's by many considered a top 10 top five for some people a player in the NBA I mean yeah he has to be uh regarded as a great number two and it's really like at some points it's, it's like 1a 1b for the yeah, Lakers with sure. LeBron Anthony Davis but and also back, back to the LeBron case. I mean, since he was so mad about not winning the MVP last season, there's this <laughs> chance to to prove the voters wrong. And then I think if the Lakers can maintain a top three seed and LeBron puts up LeBron James numbers in the time that Anthony Davis is out, I don't think there should be a reason that LeBron James should not win MVP, but as for Anthony Davis and the Lakers, I think it's definitely going to be a team effort. Guys, like you said, Montrez Harrell, Marcus all Kyle Kuzma all need to step up if they want to remain a powerhouse in the Western conference. But it, I think it is a difficult task to do just because you see Western conference teams like the Mavericks finally starting to mesh together. You see teams like the Phoenix suns who are on the six game win streak. They're finally getting it together. So it's just really tough at this time of the season, just because everyone's finally finding their identity that they didn't have the preseason to do so. So now they they're doing that. So it's just going to be tough in the Western conference, but Hey, if the Lakers can do it, then kudos to them and shout out to LeBron James. Yeah. I just think that, uh, this, this is definitely going to be tough because, like you said, defensively is going to be it's going to be difficult, um, especially when like he Anthony Davis. People don't talk about like him defensively, but he's like one of the best defensive players in the. He's league. always like, going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Exactly, and so I mean, like it also allows LeBron to you know take a few plays off defensively. Mm-hmm. It allows him to you know maybe get some rest on the defensive end and not ha- and be able to play that free safety role that he loves to play. Um, now he's going to have to play more than just free safety instead of just pointing and telling guys where to go. He's going to have to move around and, you know, get involved a little bit more on the defensive end. And that's going to be make or break for the Lakers is can their defense survive this stretch without AD? Because there've been some nights where it's like, yo, I mean, going, they went to overtime, like three, almost three nights in a row. Three, and yeah. I was like, yo, and like that's OKC okay, Thunder. Dog, that puts a strain on you having to go consecutive long games having to play extended minutes when you know you should have just beat this team in the fourth quarter yeah for sure 
All right, moving on, we got some actually surprising news. Surprising, but not surprising. We had Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. They're not going to be playing until they figure out their futures with their current teams. Uh, Both Andre Drummond of the Cleveland Cavaliers and Blake Griffin of the Pistons. They're not playing any minutes. They haven't played the last games due to really them and their them and the front office kind of agreed that they're not really a part of the team's future. So both teams are exploring trade packages or potential buyouts for these players. And the NBA trade deadline is March 25th. So that's coming up in a little over a month, but I think finding a trade for Blake Griffin will definitely be a challenge in its own, just because he's owed over 36 million this season and then 39 million next season. So I don't don't want that. Don't want that contract. I don't think, I don't think any team would be willing to take on that mightily of a contract, but Andre Drummond, on the other hand, and he's playing on a 28 almost 29 million dollar expiring contract so they'll need contracts to kind of match up if they want this trade to work so and let, let's talk about Andre Drummond first and where you think he's going to land one team for me that I think can match up the contract and I think will be an amazing fit for Andre Drummond and that's going to be the Dallas Mavericks I think they can come up with a trade package of James Jones who's making 16 million dollars and then Dwight Powell who's making about I think 10 or $11 million and then throw in a couple second round picks and, uh, and take on Drummond's expiring contract. So that right there, the contracts match up, uh, Cavs get picks out of it, but they, they don't lose a lot in this trade and they get arguably the best rebounding center in the league who can do a decent job at protecting the rim as well. And that allows Kristaps Porzingis to focus more on the offensive end and gives Luca basically another lob partner for in the pick and roll. So that's definitely beneficial for them. And then Drummond, he can also, like I said, he cleans up the glass, especially on the offensive end for a team that is shooting 25th in the league in terms of three point percentage. And they're struggling on the offensive end outside of Luca. And then Porzingis is finally starting to come into his own. I think having Andre Drummond can definitely help take a load off of those guys in terms of being that scrappy player, that kind of uh, guy who just, comes down with the boards and kind of just leaks it out to Luca and lets Luca and Porzingis kind of do their thing. What team do you think would be good for Andre Drummond? I'm going to go with the team that pretty much everybody has just forgot about since they won the championship. And that's the Toronto Raptors. To be honest with you, the Toronto Raptors have kind of really fallen off uh, since they went up against the Celtics last season, they lost a lot of depth in losing Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall, who I understand they had to sacrifice those guys so that they could be able to play, uh, so that they could pay, uh, you know, their guy like uh, Fred Van Fleet. But overall, it's kind of hurt them on both the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Meanwhile, you look at the fact that Andre Drummond is a double-double guaranteed every single night, but he's on a team in the Cavaliers that don't really necessarily need him. And then also I got a third team in the mix for this potential trade that I have in mind. And that's the Denver Nuggets who could use some, honestly use some wing depth since they gave up, uh, since they allowed Jeremy Grant to walk in free agency and go to the Detroit Pistons. So here's the trade that I have. I have the Toronto Raptors receiving Andre Drummond. And then for the Cleveland Cavaliers, they're going to get Gary Harris and Aaron Baines. And then Denver will receive Norman Powell, Patrick McCall and Stanley Johnson. So at least one of those guys is going to be able to give you some sort of depth on the wing. And the fact that you give up Gary Harris, who has really never not been the same since his injury, who, I mean, I feel like is a good defensive uh, guy, but hasn't been that two-way guy that 
you know, when I first saw him come into the league and out of Michigan State, I thought he was going to be like a, a really good pickup for them. But I think that Denver really just hasn't been able to find any glue guy to be on that wing that can not only give you buckets, but also be able to lock down as well. And I think when you have a guy like Norman Powell, that fits that need right there. You also got, you know, maybe Patrick McCall, who's on an expiring contract. So even if it doesn't work, you can let him walk. And Stanley Johnson, same thing, one-year contract, you can let him walk. But overall, the big ticket item, Andre Drummond going to the Toronto Raptors, I feel Toronto has a lot of unnecessary depth. Like, you have so many teams in the NBA that, yeah, they have depth, like, but does it work? And I feel like with the Raptors, yeah, you have Stanley Johnson. Yeah, you have Patrick McCall. Yeah, you have Norman Powell. But you have OG and Anobi. You also have Pascal Siakam as well. And, I mean, you have a lot of guys on the bench that can be able to fulfill that role. And, I mean, you need a big man. Aaron Baines is not the big man that is going to get it done for you because even though defensively he might be able to be a rim protector, that's really all you're going to get is just a rim protector. But you also might get a guy who might just be another Sean Bradley get dunked on every other night. So, I mean, it is what it is, but he does nothing for you offensively. Andre Drummond is a walking double-double, like I just said. So you pick up Drummond and you instantly become yet again revived and you, you know, either use Andre Drummond to be able to see what you have and, you know, Hey, try to make another push at trying to get to the finals, which you look at the teams that you have to go up against, you're going to have to need a big man because the Celtics, they have had big man uh, issues. The Nets are having defensive issues. And then also you look at the, the, the bucks who are, or who are struggling. So overall, I mean, the East is still, I think kind of open. And if the Toronto Raptors want to get back into that contention conversation, this is the trade that they need to go ahead and make because it'll not only provide them with a, a big that can get them uh, offense, but also will provide you with that defensive anchor as well that I think that Aaron Baines is just not cutting it. And you still keep Fred Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, Siakam, OG, and you're not giving up any of your core guys and you still are able to be competitive going into the playoffs. Yeah, that's an interesting trade right there. If the contracts map, match up, I don't see why. They wouldn't do that. Um, let's move on. We got Blake Griffin. Where do you think he will land? To be honest with you, I don't see any team really like trading for Blake. So it's going to have oh, to me be either. picked up. He's going to have to get picked up from Ravers, to be honest with you. And I think the best fit probably for Blake would be a team like the Miami Heat. If they can get him on a very friendly team deal and he's willing to go to a team like that. Because I feel like the Miami Heat, were were solid but they kind of had like a little bit of a drop off this year to be honest with you and i don't see any reason why adding in a guy like blake who is a defensive liability but in those times where you need a bucket or you need some offense off the bench you can put blake in and he will definitely help you out because i think blake griffin right now is if he's a starter for you you kind of know where you are in the nba but if he's kind of coming off the bench for you, you kind of see that you have a potential chance at not only playoff contention, but potentially maybe trying to do something special and trying to get trying to be a team that's vying for the, the NBA finals. And the Heat, you know, push the Lakers to six games. But at the end of the day, they just kind of looked a little bit overmatched and a little bit out of it. I think that they lost a lot. Uh, this offseason and have still been trying to find their way like you mentioned no preseason so they're still trying to figure things out and I think Blake Griffin 
would be a nice locker room guy overall and just a nice veteran guy to have in that locker room. Now, whether or not he's willing to go to a team like Miami is the obvious question, but I think that would be a, I would love to see that fit. Jimmy Butler um, in the mix, you know, Tyler heroes there, Duncan Robinson coming off the bench alongside with, you know, Blake Griffin. I feel like that, that would be a team that, getting back to their 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 identity of last year that that gritty grindy team that you know don't take no mess and is ready to fight you if if it has to come to that yeah and i think definitely losing myers leonard at the beginning of the season was a big blow than what a lot of people really see it as and blake griffin could be beneficial to them but for me the fanboy in me wants to say the clippers (laughs) because i miss blake griffin so much but honestly, I love what the Clippers have right now, especially what they did against the Miami Heat on the on uh, Monday. So again, they they were down four starters and they still beat the Miami Heat, who were only I think missing Goran Drogic and Myers Leonard. So that was a huge win for the Clippers. So that's why I, for the Clippers, I wouldn't want them to really mess with their core that they have right now because adding another guy who like Blake Griffin who does need the ball somewhat in his hands to produce that would be kind of tough. But for me. I'm going to go with two Eastern Conference teams that are contenders, and that is the Bucks or the Celtics. I think both those teams have the ability to sacrifice defense to bring this guy on who can create more offense when your stars like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown go to the bench or Chris Middleton and Giannis go to the bench. And he definitely has playoff experience. So he and, and I think at this point of his career, I, it's so sad to see like how injuries have kind of yeah. I guess you can say kind of derailed his career because we knew Blake Griffin as this high flyer dunking on everyone and using his athleticism to create offense. And now it's just like, it's not the same anymore. So it's kind of, it's kind of sad to see, but I think Blake Griffin knows that he's at that point of his career, but knows that he could still produce and he still wants a title. So I think these teams, they don't, Blake Griffin doesn't have to be the focal point of that team, but he can definitely help these teams like the Bucks and the Celtics. When their star players go to the bench, he can definitely pick up the load for those couple minutes that they're on the bench. And like I said, has playoff experience. And the, both these teams are for sure going to be in the playoffs, whether they'll be in the finals, that's a maybe. But he is one of the best playmaking big men in the league. And when you have big men alongside him, like Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis for the Bucks or Daniel Thice for the Celtics, he's more than capable of driving and kicking it out to the corner or to a three-point line and having those guys hitting it. So I'm assuming he's going to want to go to a contending team, which is why I have these two teams and they're in the East. So I think he they're more than capable of going to the NBA finals. I know Corey, you have the Celtics in the NBA finals, oh, yeah, but, but I, I think he can definitely help them get over that hump because these guys defensively are great. And I'm not even saying Blake Griffin is a defensive liability, but his athleticism definitely has gone down since he played in Lob City days. Well, I'm not saying he's a defensive liability either, but he's, he man, he's he's way past it as far as like, and it's like you said, it's really sad that he's not like the same sort of player, but it's just like, damn, like, He's nowhere near that player that he used to be. He and was, he was like, honestly, for MVP at one point in time. Exactly. He's nowhere near that. No. Nowhere near that. And so I think more so the Bucks. I feel like he would be a good fit for Milwaukee than the Celtics. Because if I see the Celtics get another power forward, man, I'm going to yell. I'm just going to start screaming because they should be a team going after like a Drummond or, you know, somebody like that. Or develop Taco Fall, for God's sake. Like, <laughs> Jesus, dude. Like, free Taco Fall, bro. 
I'm gonna start this train, bro. Talk, like, come on. I just, I just feel like for the for the Celtics though, it's like who do they really have off the bench after Tatum? Yeah, Grant Williams. Like yeah. that's not that's that's not really yeah. gonna be the guy who gets you over the hump. And especially since what we've seen from Kemba Walker, he has not been the Kemba Walker that we know him to be. And I think honestly, for the Celtics to get to the NBA Finals, Kemba, like yeah, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker's the X factor. Kemba yeah. Walker is the X factor. If he's not on, I don't see this team making the NBA Finals. But if Kemba Walker is throwing it back to his Charlotte days, then heck, this team could be a a team to reckon with. And then with the with the Bucks, I think just imagine uh, a, a end of the game lineup with Drew Holiday, <laughs> oh then Chris God. Middleton, Giannis, Blake Griffin, and Brooke Lopez. That's pretty. That's pretty scary. That is. That is. I mean, whether or not like that would actually like be the case is like you know depending on what Mike Budenholzer wants to do. But yeah, I agree with you as far as like with the Kemba Walker thing with the Celtics. I think like this first half of the season is kind of like his preseason. He's still trying to figure things out and still trying to get back to the fold of and back to the mold of which he was in the bubble. I would look at the second half of the season. If he's still having issues, then I'm like, hmm, my Celtics pick is looking really sketchy. But and it definitely oh, doesn't help that Marcus Smart is going to be out for a while as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm not even worried. I'm just waiting for him. I'm just waiting for everybody to get back healthy. And hopefully, like, nobody gets hit with COVID and nobody gets hit with any, like, long-term injuries anymore. And everybody can just focus on getting healthy and just grinding out this regular season and hopefully get like a, if you can avoid having to play like the six, a motivated Sixers team who you swept last year um, in They'll the first round. The lead. Yeah. I, I would hope <laughs> if, if they can just avoid that, then I'm golden. I'm fine. I'm fine. Cause they don't have to be the first, they don't have to be a first seed. They just have to avoid having to play the Sixers in the first round again. Cause if they get the Sixers, then I'm like, damn. I don't yeah. know if they're going to be able to get past them in the first the Cel- round. The Celtics have been struggling, though, just lost to the Detroit Pistons. But, I mean, the Detroit Pistons are, like, the powerhouse killers. They beat the Nets. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Celtics. <laughs> they beat that. Like, so they, they're beating good teams, which is funny because they're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting for the Celtics and where these two guys, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, which is funny because these two guys last year were just teammates in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> And now they're now they're on the market for finding a new team. But so it'll be interesting to see where these guys land. All I hope is that Andre Drummond doesn't get traded for peanuts again, because that that, that I think, that's gonna be sad, bro. I think it will be. It's not gonna be like like just a clear cut second round like what Detroit did, but I think it is gonna be for peanuts just because the guy's not playing any minutes right now. So it's kind of his value is low. And then on top of that, he's an expiring contract. So he could just play one season and then walk in free agency. So it's like, you don't want to give up your farm kind of just to get a guy for a year or half a year, whatever it is. So yeah, I think I it, it, it's not going to be as bad as it was with the Pistons gave yeah, up or mean. got. As long as it's not just like a draft pick and like, here you go. Cause I think it'll, it'll be, it'll have to be something to where I think that the, the Cavaliers are going to look to get some sort of compensation not only draft wise, but I think young player wise, because clearly the 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 Cavaliers are rebuilding and building something honestly that I think in a few years time we'll have to examine and see whether or not uh they're they're a better team for it. But I, I just don't see Drummond wanting to stick around for a rebuild. Yeah, for sure. All right, but that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the Nose. Please make sure you guys are following us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds on Instagram. The Nosebleeds on Facebook. Look up the Nosebleeds Podcast. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, do this five-star rating if you're feeling generous. Corey, any last words? Just 
if y'all are daring to go to that all-star game please be careful <laughs> <laughs> please be careful if y'all going out to atlanta for all-star weekend quote unquote please be careful when y'all come home well, let us know because i'm gonna hop on a flight come to atlanta because i'm trying to join the fun because hey, i heard i heard they got their place there it's called magic city where they got some lemon pepper lose over there in atlanta <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's, it's going up. It's Let going up. I'll, I'll meet y'all at Magic City. But other than that, we out. Deuces.